Good morning, everyone. Um, I am excited to be preaching this morning. Actually, I'm going to hold my notes. Uh, and we are continuing our series uh, this morning called Winning the War for Your Mind. should be behind me. Winning the War for Your Mind. And I have a unique message for us, or actually the Lord has a unique message for us this morning as his people, and it's called body combat. And uh, that might sound really unique to you, but actually, you know, I don't know if you know this, but our mindset has, has power over our brains. Okay, so our mindset can actually change our brains, and our brains are going to be the one that tells our body what to do. Okay, and our bodies really determine whether we walk in our destiny. Okay, now I I have to tell you, it's hard for me to exercise in life. Okay, I when I was a young girl, I ran a ton. Uh, I, I did cross country and track some, and I got very worn out of running. My knees, I had, I'd have tons of shin splints, and my knees really kind of broke down. And once I had, once I got married, actually, Robert had these dreams of us exercising together, and I'm like, I kind of want to be done with exercise. Sorry, hon. <laughs> First disappointment in marriage. I know, so sad. Um, but... So over the years, I know exercise is important and to stay active, and I do stay very active in life, and so I thought, I'm active, I don't need to exercise, but I really do enjoy the feeling of exercise, and especially after, just, and getting rid of that cortisone is very important. So um, I have just thought, okay, at some point, I need to just work on this in my life. Well, um, I actually have gone through really challenging seasons, and I even uh, hit some adrenal fatigue, and so it was actually really hard for me to work out. I'd go running for 15 minutes and just feel like I ran a marathon. And uh, so I, that really kind of was laying dormant in my life for a while. Well, lately, the last year, I've on and off, you know, did spurts of exercise, and uh, lately, I've been really wanting to do a class. And so we belong to the Y, and, and so I'm like, okay. And all, all my family's like very faithful to like go to the, to the gym. I'm always like, yeah, you guys go without me. Um, I'm good. So lately I'm like, okay, I want to I wanna do a class. Well, I go to the Y. I actually wasn't planning on doing a class this day. I was like, well, I'll just do the stair step or something and do some weights. Well, I walk in, and this person's looking at the class schedule, and I'm like, oh. I want to know what class is happening. Well, I show up like five minutes before this class starts called Body Combat. And like, are you kidding me? That sounds amazing. I'm in. Now, you got to understand, I thrive on challenges. So I'm like, yes, bring it on. Meanwhile, I'm so freaked out because I'm thinking, I cannot hang with a Body Combat class. Like, I have no idea what that even means, but it sounds amazing. So let's do it. <laughs> And God was gracious to me. There was this lady that was older than me um, who was waiting for the class doors to open. And I'm like, 
hey, what's up? Um, she's like, oh, you're new. I'm like, yeah, I'm new. She's like, great. I, can, I love helping the newbies. I'll help you. I'm like, great. So God was super gracious, giving me this precious woman that was like, here, you're going to need this mat for a little bit. Great. And I'm like, she's like, if you want to go to the front of the class, it might be, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll be in the back. I'm good. So I hang in the back. And I mean, we are like, we are like combating. Okay. I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm so impressed with some of the, a lot of them were older than me. And I'm thinking, you guys are my heroes. Like you are going for it. And so, uh, you know, as we're doing this class, the instructor is intense. And she says, who are you fighting? And I thought, who am I fighting? (laughs) And, you know, that reminds me of a couple weeks ago. As Robert and I, I know you probably won't guess it, but we were actually at a football game a couple Fridays ago for one of our sons. And I saw the most unique thing happening. And I actually don't think I had ever seen this in a football game. And we've been to a lot of football games and watched a lot of football on TV. Um, But all of a sudden, a play ends and our team's up by a lot. The other team's getting frustrated. The play ends and they start fighting each other. And I'm thinking, look at that, they're fighting each other. And I'm thinking, yeah, you go, keep fighting your your teammates because I know if you keep fighting yourselves, you will never win this game. And then it reminded me of a spiritual reality. And I thought, yeah, and the enemy knows that. And so, so often he tries to get us to fight against one another, even though we are on the same team as humans. You might think today that Democrats are your enemy. You might think Republicans are your enemy. You might think that people from a certain area of town are your enemy. You might be fighting against people from a certain nation. Maybe church leaders or pastors are your enemy. Maybe a certain ethnicity Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your in-laws. Family member, a child, a roommate, an ex-spouse. Maybe it's your boss, or maybe it's your coworker. The thing is, is that God uses our enemies or who we think are our enemies, to train us up into the identity and person that we are called to be. But we must remember that none of those people are our true enemy. The devil will try to use them as pawns in your life to keep you from your inheritance. But actually, they are there to help train you to become who you're called to be. And sometimes we aren't winning the wars of our mind because we're fighting the wrong enemy. And the battles, let me just say that list, man, it's so real, right? Some of those battles are so real for us in our lives. But it's so important that we have an understanding as a people of God to know what to do in war because we live in a spiritual war for our lives. And war usually happens 
because two parties are fighting over land. They're fighting over territory. And let me tell you, the enemy wants your territory. He wants you. Before soldiers or um, Marines or Navy SEALs go into battle, they get trained. But yet so often we get saved and we don't even know what it looks like to have a friendship with God and walk in obedience. But our friendship with God and our obedience, it is training for the war. That is our training, is our friendship with God. Now, I need to show you this scripture in, in Jeremiah because it's important to realize when, when you get saved, you, you're going to heaven, okay? And you also step into a promise of blessing and inheritance on your life, okay? But it actually does matter how you live now. What you do today actually directly impacts your life in eternity, okay? And so you better believe there is a war for your mind because if the enemy can get you off in your mind, you won't take ground and you won't walk in friendship with God and obedience to him. So there's the scripture in Jeremiah 17, four and five that I wanna read. Because the enemy, the good news is the enemy can't steal your inheritance. However, um, there is a way that we can lose our inheritance. And so God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah and he says, through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance I gave you. I will enslave you to your enemies in a land you do not know for you have kindled my anger and it will burn forever. This is what the Lord says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Wow, that's a hard word. But the reality is only we can decide whether we want our inheritance. Only we can decide how we live here on earth whether we truly pursue friendship with God and obedience in order to step into our full inheritance when we get to heaven. And Jeremiah is prophesying these words of the Lord and explaining you can actually give up your inheritance if you live according to the flesh. So I wanna take you into this story in the Old Testament of these two brothers because I think they're a good picture that explains this, this um, living by the flesh versus living another way. So read with me in Genesis 25, verse 22 through 20, uh, 34. It says, when the time came for her to give birth, okay, so these twins are about to be born. There's Abraham, then there was um, Isaac, and then we're about to see the next generation born, okay? So Isaac and Rebecca are about to have these twins. So when the time came for her to give birth, there were two twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was hairy like a garment. So they named him Esau. Um, after his brother came out, his hand 
with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first... An opportune time when the enemy comes to take our birthright. First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up. So Esau despised his birthright. Esau just made a huge mistake. He despised his birthright. And when we step into the kingdom of light and have this opportunity to step into internal inheritance and blessing, when we choose to live according to our momentary pleasures, we actually begin to despise the birthright that is on our lives. It actually says, in Romans, that we, in Romans 8, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We have birthright, being children of God. You know, Jason preached a few weeks ago about unconditional grace, and he talked about the, the prodigal son. That was a great picture, right, where he despised his birthright. He said, give me my inheritance, I'm out of here. He squandered it, but the moment he came back to the father's house, the father was actually waiting for him. He was waiting for him to return because he had blessing and abundance and provision. And that is who our father is. My point one is this. You have two choices. One, to live according to the flesh or two, according to the spirit. Romans 8, verse 5 and 6 it says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And actually, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. You know, at 19... I had just, I had a, an encounter with God and I had jumped into a church body and I was learning to, to spend time with God. And in our journey of walking in friendship with God, there's things that God begins to train us in. And one of them is this discipline of actually spending time with him. It's revolutionary, Right? spending time with God. But actually, most Christians don't do that. Again, this is warfare. Our friendship with God is how we fight. And if we don't know how to spend time with God, we will get obliterated by the enemy. Your mind will be governed by the flesh and it will be a mess. And so I was learning in this season, oh, I... I need to actually like get time with God. 
I had told God, Lord, I, I want to follow you no matter the cost, as long as I'm, uh, no matter the cost, as long as I can know you. And so there were these little steps that God was training me in, as this truly was the desire of my heart, but I was a flesh ball. I was living according to the flesh, okay? Again, you get saved, you are still a flesh ball, okay? There's a lot of places in our lives that we live by the flesh. And God is training us to live by the spirit. You see, Jacob was a mess, okay? There's a lot of messy stuff about this story that we're reading about, but he cared about what was important. And he sh he's showing us there was something to fight for. And that was to live according to the spirit. And so I would actually begin at 19 to think about my schedule. And I would think, okay, when should I go to bed? I mean, I was in college, okay? It's like a fun time in life. But I actually had this growing desire within me and hunger to know God. And so I would go to bed earlier sometimes than all my friends because I actually wanted to get up and spend time with God. And I began to dip, discipline my body so that it would go in line with according to the Spirit. And I would get in Scripture. And, I mean, I just was new to all that. Like, okay, I'm going to read the Scripture. I don't even understand so much of it. I actually... Um, would wait on God. I, I started learning to hear God's voice because that's warfare, to actually listen for God's voice over the voice of the enemy. And the enemy's voice is so familiar for all of us, but we have to choose to go the opposite way and say, no, I actually have a birthright on my life to be led according to the spirit of God. So I'm gonna let God train me to hear his voice. And that takes discipline of our bodies. So what do you need to do to change your schedule? Like, what do you need to do after you leave this place to go, okay, how can I get up tomorrow and spend time with Jesus? Get in the scripture, wait on him to hear his voice, worship. So let's keep going. Genesis 27, Isaac's now old, his eyes are weak. Okay, so he stole the birth, uh, Jacob stole the birthright. Now he's about to steal a blessing. Okay, Isaac, his father, is gonna bless his brother Esau, so he tells Esau, hey, I want you to go, get a goat, and kill it, make some food how I like it, and then I'm gonna, I don't know how many days I have left, so I wanna bless you. Okay, so uh, Jacob's mom, Rebecca, here, overhears this and goes, Jacob, quick, go get a goat from our fields, bring it in, dress up like Esau, and I want your father to bless you. So he goes in, and he tricks his father totally deceives his father, and his father blesses him. So then in Genesis 27, 42, it says, your brother Esau, now, so it, it's all gone down, and Esau is fuming. And, and uh, it says, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. So his mom's like, now then, flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him a while until your brother's fury subsides. Okay, my point two. There is no passivity in this war. 
Jacob, although he was a mess, okay, a lot of issues here, he was not passive about what he wanted. And sometimes we get passive as believers. We let the enemy take some ground because, well, lots of reasons. Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we actually don't even know what we want. And we get passive. But I want to say, church, family, believers, we have an inheritance on our lives. We have a birthright, we have a promise, we have blessing, and it matters how we live. We have two choices, to live according to the flesh or according to the spirit. Do you know that when my kids are nearing driving age, so I have three drivers, my, my fourth kid is about to turn 15 in January, and so this is kind of my prep time where I, I prep internally, and I, here's the thing, for me, no judgment if this is not, that's fine, this is me, okay? I want my kids to drive. I need them to grow up in the times that they need to grow up, okay? I don't need my kids to still stay kids in my house. I need them to be men and women of God. So there's times in their journeys that are significant times in their age that I press them a little harder because sometimes they just need help. And sometimes we need help, don't we? And so when they turn 15, I'm like, okay, this is what you need to do. At 15 and a half, I need you to take this course. I can get you to the website, but I can't do it for you. Oh, I will press you and I will keep asking you until you're done with it. But I need you to drive and grow up. <laughs> I need help. You need to drive yourself. Um, some of it's selfish, okay? I'll admit. Okay. Now, here is the thing. They just get lazy. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it, Mom. I'll get, no, you won't. I actually don't think you will. I kind of get annoying. And so I ride their hide. I mean, for one of them, I literally sat next to him. I'm like, read the course. Just, I'll read it with you. I'll read it to you. Just... Yum. But at the end of the day, like they have to take the test. I did help with a couple of questions. I was pre-test, pre-test, not the real test. Not, don't worry. We did not cheat. But I'll tell you, like Jason, actually he showed you that. It is so hard. Now I was not in there with them taking the test, but I pressed them and we've had multiple rounds. We've had to take the test over and over. It's fine. There's a lot of grace. But sometimes in our life, we grow passive when it's time, when God's actually saying, hey, I'm going to train you to grow up a little bit more in the spirit. But we get passive and we get fearful. There's a lot of fear involved with driving. Look, the, it's scary as a parent. I mean, I kind of freaked out the day before my, got, my daughter actually got her license. I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. She can't be on the highways. I'm like, no, I will not listen to that voice of fear. I will not listen to it. And sometimes we need to get a little aggressive with the different things that are coming at us in our lives.
Okay, so let's keep going. Um, man, I am totally running out of time. Okay. Um, Genesis 28, 10 through 20. Jacob, um, fast forward. Okay, Jacob has an encounter with God. He's fleeing. And uh, in verse 12, it says, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham um, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until, you have, uh, until I have done what you promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured it on top, uh, oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel through the city, through the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. You see, he grew up in a household that was handing down the promises of God and the ways of God, but God was not his God yet. He encounters God and then he makes a vow and he says, God will be my God. And so today I ask you, has God become your God? You come to this place and you hear about the ways of God, but is God your God? Or to you, is God, is God still just our God? Point three, our oneness with Christ is our greatest weapon. Until you... Choose, God is my God. We're disconnected from a oneness with God. When you get saved, you actually get sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You actually become a one with the Spirit of the Lord. It's mysterious and amazing. And that is one of our greatest weapons. My friendship with God is the most precious thing that I have. And that is why I was so intent as a young woman who was learning uh, to walk with God and hungry for God that I was fighting for that friendship. I, I was so lonely in that season at college. I was in a different state that I was used to. The people around me were very different. I was so lonely. But that, that was set up. That was a setup. And sometimes we miss the setup and then we just choose our flesh. But only by the grace of God, I chose to start learning to live according to the Spirit. Look, I, I was still a mess. I was still dealing with sin in my life. That doesn't mean I was perfect. But it means I was allowing God to train me and not give up and find this oneness with God. Sometimes we have a hard conversation in life. Or actually, sometimes we start off the day and we're like, yeah, I feel close to God, I'm doing great. And then we have one hard conversation and we're like, you have forsaken me, Lord. <laughs> right? We totally disconnect and we just like, put our hope to the side. Man, you disconnect with 
oneness with Jesus, you just pushed your hope aside. You just disconnected with hope. It just happens in our lives at different times. It, at serious moments when it's painful, we disconnect and we have we have to not grow passive in that place, but we have to war for that friendship. We have to wrestle with that and get back to that oneness so that we can hear God's voice in our lives and submit to it. God is training our bodies. He's actually training our minds and our bodies. So many times we disconnect our mind with our bodies, but it's important to say, as we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, all that has to fall in connection and submission to God. Okay, I'm gonna fast forward here because I have very little time. Um, so I wanna highlight again in verse 22, the vow, part, part of the vow to give you my fourth point. Um, verse 22, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar, Jacob is, this is part of Jacob's vow, will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tent. I am very passionate about point number four. And I was really excited that God said, this is point four. Tithing is a weapon to overcoming our flesh. Now, I don't know why, but even as a little girl, I was actually passionate about tithing. So I can only accredit that to the grace of God, okay? But I made a lot of money as a little girl because I babysat all the time. And I would come home and I would count my money and I would count the first 10%. percent I'd be like, bummer, yes. But there was just something in me that just had this. First of all, I was trained, okay? My parents trained me. And so I just, I had this internal, like the first is God's. Now, here's the thing. I truly believe that tithing is part of our body combat. It's part of our flesh that comes into submission under God's purposes. Tithing is a scriptural principle, okay? We did not make this up, okay? But tithing is about lordship. Who is your Lord? There is a scripture in Matthew 6, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. First Timothy 6, 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, okay? God blesses Financially, so it's not about that. It's the love of money. It's the lordship. And when you, okay, here's the other morning I woke up, like I, I didn't even know if I was fully preaching yet or whatever. I woke up with two scriptures. Verse 22, out of Jacob's vow, I will give you a 10th of everything I have. I'm like, why am I waking up to these scriptures? Second scripture I woke up to, um, Oh, bummer. Do you have it on the screen? You do. Here it is. If uh, Romans eleven sixteen, if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. Now, here's the thing. When we tithe, 
Every time wages come into your home, actually, you're supposed to tithe everything you have, your first fruits. There is a first fruits principle. When we first say, God, it's yours. You just gave me this and for, I give it back to you. It's all yours anyway. We set ourselves up for God to purify our lives. There is just something very holy about the act of tithing that sets us up for Lord, the, the Lord to be Lord of our lives and not our finances, not our circumstances, not our season, not our sin. Okay, last point. I'm gonna go really fast. All right, all right, here we go. Okay, point. Keep going. Point five, your body is a weapon, okay? Your body is a weapon. Um, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know how much time I have to read this whole Genesis scripture, but let's, um, somehow it's not in my notes. So do you have it on the, the Genesis? Okay, great. Here, we're going to read it together. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Your body is a weapon. God is training you in friendship and obedience with him. And Jacob was a mess, but he was not passive about the birthright on his life and the blessing and the promise. He went after it and he did not give up. You see, when Jacob went to Haran, he found a wife, but his father-in-law deceived him. And he put the other sister in the bedroom. Now, it must have been very dark in that bedroom, okay? Because he did not know until morning. So I don't know what the tradition was there, but it was very dark. So his father deceived him. Okay, now here's the thing. God had become his God, okay? So he's like, I'm going for it. I'm after, I want to live according to the spirit and God's plans and purposes for my life. But then he's in this place where, oh my goodness, I have been deceived. And sometimes we face times in our journey when we're trying to walk with God and we hit this moment where we're like, God, I actually feel tricked. I actually feel tricked in my, in my life. I, I don't like my life anymore. I, I feel like you led me to this place and now I don't like it. So what do we do with that? Do you know that Jacob didn't give up? He didn't cower in self-condemnation or just fine, my life's over. No, he actually held firm to the promise despite the multiple dysfunctions around him and in his own life. And he sowed what he reaped. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we sow what we reap, or we reap what we, we sow, what we reap. Jacob was sowing what he reaped. It was deception. 
But it wasn't a place of self-condemnation. It was, no, God was actually breaking it off his life. And when Jacob got to this point where he began to wrestle with God, he was in the face of his greatest stronghold, okay? Jacob was so afraid of his brother. There was a spirit of fear on Jacob's life. It was a stronghold. And let me tell you, years ago, I had a stronghold of fear on my life. Okay, God was breaking me down in different ways to to shave some of the the fear off my life. But when I got to a certain place, I knew he, I got to the root of the stronghold of fear. It was a fear of fear. And I have three minutes. And what was happening was all of a sudden I hit this season in my life. Sometimes we think that the season is our enemy, and I want to say our season is not our enemy. Our season is helping train us. And I hit this season where I, my, my skin is um, getting rashes. I can barely put one foot in front of the other. Like, this is, that's just foreign for me. I, I, I can do it. God doesn't want you to do it. He doesn't want your self-strength. He doesn't need it. And sometimes we have to be broken like Jacob. And we wrestle with God. We don't let go. We don't need to overanalyze and over-question. If there's sin, God will speak it to you if you let him bring the conviction on your life. So I'm in this place and, and I call a friend. I'm like, okay. Give me all of your hippie ideas. I don't know how to get over my body issues. So I'm flooding my body with all the good things. I'm supposed to meet Robert in Thailand with all the kids. And I'm like, hey, passports, clothes, you can do this. I mean, I'm a mess. And my friend was like, you need to stop eating sugar like today. Now, that might seem silly to you, but let me just tell you, sugar was a god to me. It was a vice. And God was stripping me of my vices. And sometimes we actually need God's help to strip us of our vices. So what is he stripping in your life that you're resisting? What is he trying to strip so that you can become more of the person that you are called to be? It's actually for your good and because of his love that you're going through some of the challenges that you're going through because he sees who you truly are and the inheritance that he's waiting to give you when you step into eternity. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up with this. In my body combat class, um, one of the... um, we do all these moves. I'm not going to do them for you because I look really silly doing them. But, um, but I will do one move. There's one. There's one thing that we do. We, oh man, you do this like, like eight times. Okay, you also have to like move, and it's like really confusing. And but anyway, but you do this like blocking mode. Audrey, is Audrey in here? Can you really quick? I know. I know. Sometimes. Okay, I know. I'm, I kinda, I'm the one that's going to look like the fool because you're like, you're going to kick me. 
I know. Okay, you're going to kick me, and I'm going to block you. And then you're going to punch me, and I'm going to block you. Okay. Here's the thing. Stay here. Uh, Daniel, could you come up here for a second? Sorry. I'm totally going over time. Okay, but we're good. I don't see any people. Okay, so um, often you're the enemy. You don't hit me. Okay. We're fighting this enemy, okay? And we're like, meanwhile, this one over here, the actual enemy, why don't you just gently try to kick me? Yeah, just, ooh, ooh, right? But, and we're getting beat up. Okay, you try to kick me again. But, so, oh, wait, okay. <laughs> we need to learn to turn away from them being, the, I know, that was really rough. Okay, you can just stay up here for a second. We need to turn away from who we are thinking is the enemy in the natural and realize the battle is over here. In your spirit of rejection, in your spirit of fear, in the places where you're warring for your addiction, you have to understand it's the enemy <laughs> that is trying to take the territory from you. He wants your inheritance, and he cannot have it. Oh, you guys can say something. Thank you. So my question to you is, what, what point do you need to respond to today in this message? Can we have a little music in the background? <laughs> what, what point do you need to respond to? Because when we come here on a Sunday, church, there is a response that we need to give to the Lord. God has words for us on Sundays when we gather as his people he has things that are on his heart to bring to us so that we as his people can be trained and respond. So what do you need to respond to? Do you need to resolve today that you don't, you don't wanna live by the flesh? You wanna live by the spirit. Look, it's gonna be a process, but your body matters in this journey. What your body is doing is a good indicator maybe of where you're at. Maybe today you need to start tithing and resolve that, yeah, that actually is a weapon and I haven't wanted to tithe. I, I tithe every once in a while. Maybe that's an indicator for you to really ask the question, is God really Lord? In, in my life, do I really trust? It's a trust issue. Tithing is a trust issue. Do I trust that he really is gonna be my provider? Sometimes we're the safer God in our lives. Why don't you guys stand up? <laughs> 